Welcome to the Israel Conversation by the Massah Leadership and Impact Center. We are informally debating issues that concern Zionists about life, culture, and politics in Israel. Hi, I'm your host, Michael Unterberg, here with our two panelists, Liel and Matt. How's it going, guys? It's going all right. It's going all right. It's going. It's going how it's going. Our topic for today deals with the fact that since October 7th, the government's been uh, not able to, let's say. Busy. They've been busy. They've been busy, but also unable to deal with things that are actually uh, critical that need to be taken care of. For example, proper uh, armor for soldiers in the field, coordinating the families of the kidnapped victims in their ability to not only make it through these horrible weeks without their family members, but also to sort of be involved in the broad diplomatic effort to get those hostages freed, helping the families and coordinating with them as their lives move from all the way in the north and in the south, and they evacuate their towns and villages to rebuild their lives. And there's a tremendous amount of Israeli civil society that has stepped up to fill in the gap left by the government. Um, in in all sorts of ways. And to a certain extent, even the protest movement against judicial reform took their organizations and turned them towards these civil missions. And the question is, I mean, that that certainly says something very beautiful about Israeli society that, that the civilians stepped in. The question is, does that need to be also at least overseen and regulated and, you know, a level of, uh, of, uh, of, of control by the government? Or should it, we just let that flourish on its own. So should government be involved in oversight of this civil ener- civil society's energy taking care of the soldiers, taking care of the victims of October 7th? Matt, you're going to argue that the government should stay out of it? I am. So yeah, look, I, I, I think um, something that you alluded to, Mike, is the government has certainly been distracted by other things, if we're being kind, or if we're being unkind, we'll say they've completely dropped the ball. And the feeling that I have as somebody who you know, participates uh, in some of these initiatives and these grassroots initiatives of people bringing meals to people who need meals, whether that's soldiers on the front line or whether that's communities who've been cleared out of their homes and are now living in youth hostels or hotels or whether that's um, volunteering my children to go and entertain kids whose parents are in Miluim or all the different things. There's hundreds of different initiatives volunteering with agri- with farmers to help them because they, they've lost all their foreign workers. I, I mean, a, a, as an individual who, who cares deeply about this country and cares deeply about the people in the country, I'm feeling over, overstretched with all the initiatives that I've been invited to participate in or to contribute to in, in whether that's financially or material ways or support and things like that. And it's because there is so much work that needs to be done. And the reason that there's so much work that needs to be done is because honestly, the government has completely messed this one up. So when we say, should there be oversight and should there be regulation, and Liel's going to make the case why there should be, there isn't. <laughs> I mean, the bottom line is, there isn't. And if we waited for that oversight to kick in or for the government initiatives to kick in, we'd still be sitting here twiddling our thumbs. We would not be doing the work that needs to be done to help the people who need the help, who need the country, who the, to help the people who need the help, to help the country in the way that it needs to be helped. And um, that's why I think, you know what, let's just let us get on with it. We're doing the work that needs to be done. Soldiers are being fed. Soldiers are being equipped if they are lacking equipment. Should that have been the job of the army? Yeah. Did the army do it? 
nope, so somebody has to step in. And now you're going to tell us, okay, you guys did such a good job. We're now going to take over from here because we did a bad job. That just doesn't make sense to me. And I, and I think that's going to get rid of a lot of the enthusiasm, a lot of the energy that people have, a lot of the creativity that people have, and really the, the good work that people are doing. And as soon as, also unfortunately, the government's not so popular right now. We were just discussing this before we came on in terms of where the government's polling. And all, even though at the moment the country is unified and we have unity and it's wonderful to see, there is like this cloud above of, well, we also remember like politically, like some people don't agree with us and some people don't agree with the government. And I might be less enthusiastic to help a government-led initiative if I don't support the government. And I think that would lose a lot of, of, of the work that we're doing, a lot of the positive things um, that we're doing. And in terms, just, just one thing that Mike mentioned before about the families of the people who are who are missing and the families of the, of the victims, um, it took weeks before anybody from the government went to see these people or took any kind of initiative to help these people. Um, and I'm really proud of our country for stepping in. A friend of mine the other day, she was going for a run through uh, downtown Modian, and she came across a woman who was hanging up these massive posters of every one of the 240 people who were missing. And she stopped and she said to this woman, can I help you? Because there were big posters and there's a lot of things. And the woman said, oh my God, I'd be so happy if you help me. So my friend stopped. And the next thing I know, I was getting text messages from all the different groups I'm on with, with this particular friend thing. Who has those zip ties thing? We're running out of zip ties. Can people bring them down? Suddenly they were overwhelmed with zip ties and, all, and the kids all came down. 20 minutes later, the posters were all up. That wouldn't happen if we left that for the government to take care of. And it's important that these people are front and center of what we do. And the people who've lost their homes and the people who've had to be evacuated and the soldiers who otherwise would just be eating cans of tuna for the next six weeks, right? Like we need to take care of them and we're doing it not as well as we could be, but we're doing a pretty damn good job. And the government did a terrible job. And I don't think we should let the government get in the way of what we, of our good work. Well, we can have a different debate on whether we should have canned tuna or go back to Luf, the canned <laughs> meat that Israeli soldiers used to live on. So, Liel, you're going to take the, according to Matt, the pro-thumb-twiddling position <laughs> in the way Matt framed it. Oh, or, boy. No, but you're going to argue that there still needs to be a degree of oversight. Yeah. I Look, I think um, as much as I think that we all agree here on uh, our feelings towards the government, uh, I will say this. In a time of great need and trauma— People want to do something. People want to act, right? Because you have this sensation of helplessness. And I think that we've all experienced this feeling in the last month and a half. Um, and so I think what we saw, especially the first couple of weeks, especially the first couple of days, like you're, you're describing, Matt, this like outpour of help and assistance and people making food and people uh, raising money and people just doing everything they possibly, blood donations, everything they possibly can to uh, support the war effort. Um, which is amazing, and it's amazing and it's important, and this is this is Israel. This is something to be very, very proud of, and I don't know if it would have happened this way in any other country. And yet, I think that, at least in my personal attempts to volunteer, which I've done a few times um, in the last uh, few weeks, there to me, there just felt like there was such a great desire to come and help and assist, but not within a very clear framework of how. And I think that when you don't have the how and you don't have the, the regulations um, or when you don't have the supervision for how to uh, and how to volunteer and what's the best and most helpful way to volunteer, then I think that there's a lot of effort that can just go 
go to waste and even be a little bit hurtful um, in the process. So for example, I, I have friends who who did an amazing thing with uh, some of their friends and colleagues in the States where they raised a lot of money to purchase uh, high quality vests, bulletproof vests for the um, for the Israeli army because like you said, there really was an issue of, of a lack of supplies. And what happened was they... Essentially, the story goes that they had discussed with um, people in the government, people in the IDF, what exactly they need. They verified that it was exactly, in fact, what they needed. They got the vests. They sent in a private plane, someone's own private plane. They sent from the States to here. And when it landed, then it had to be vetted by the government, by the IDF or whoever. And they said, no, uh, these are not these are not what we need. These are not what we're set. What we agree to send um, the soldiers into Gaza with, and so no. So essentially, all this effort, all this money, all this you know coming together and volunteerism, kind of because of the government vetting and putting regulations on it, sort of went to waste, which is unfortunate. And I think that we see this also with lots of volunteers and lots of organizations that are trying to help and assist people that are living right now um, in the hotels who have been evacuated from their homes or they had to leave their homes, right? There's kids that need people to come in and do different kind of programming with them. Um, uh, in general, just like entertainment or, or different, you know, uh, psychological support, I think, for these families. And so a lot of people are coming in and trying to really be there for, um, for these people in the hotels, especially, you know, the first few weeks. And again, I think these people, and this is a discussion that also the, the sort of the mental health space was having, where these people have gone through something that even the most skilled psychologists in our country don't know how to facilitate this trauma. And so when you have so many people who are really goodwilled and want to come in to help, they're being exposed to a trauma and perhaps also not assisting in the correct psychological way, so to speak. And so I don't know what, you know, what kind of effects that would have in the long term, but potentially not not so not great and not in the in the sort of uh, healing that we would that we would want um, and potentially causing more trauma to, to both the person trying to help and to the to the victims. Um, and then just one more example that I'll that I'll share that's, you know, the immense amount of food, right? Because we're very, we're Jewish and we're very, very good at um, feeding uh, people, especially our soldiers. Um, so at the bases in the South specifically, there was, ton there is and was tons of food and meals that were being made and barbecues that were being set up for the soldiers, um, which is amazing. But again, without any kind of vetting, without any kind of oversight or supervision, these soldiers ended up, at least the ones that I know shared with me, that some of the food actually wasn't refrigerated properly um, and, and didn't have anyone supervising it in any official manner. Um, and so it went bad. Some of it went bad, I guess. And then soldiers ended up, you know, participating in these barbecues and eating this food and really getting huge stomach aches and, and all kinds of other, you know, digestive problems, which is not helpful. And so as much as I, as I, as I, appreciate and I think it's amazing just the efforts that our country's been 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 doing for to help um, and to assist and, and and volunteer as much as possible I think that also there needs to be some kind of oversight and regulation as to like what is actually helpful what is not a waste of energy what's not a waste of time how can we assist in the best most you know uh, uh, mo the, the, the best way the best way that makes the most sense I guess yeah okay so Matt what do you think about that point about the level of wasted energy. In other words, the energy is coming from a place of people wanting to contribute, but wouldn't it be better coordinated so that it would actually accomplish the goals rather than sending uh, soldiers to the latrines, for <laughs> um, example? <laughs> Again, it comes down to like a theoretical conversation because in theory, sure, right? So instead of 
20 people sending meals and five of those meals getting thrown out or something and only have 15 and then save five of those people who are kindly volunteering to cook for the following week, that would be great. But it's just not working out like that. And so even though we might say, yes, the regulation could be helpful, I, I don't see where that regulation is coming from right now. I can't see any of the government ministries have stepped up and said, listen, normally we're organizing whatever nonsense some of these ministries are doing, and we're going to pivot and actually take over this part of the war effort. They're not. And so, okay, so then we say, all right, so I'm, I'm going to wait for the phone call now from this organ, from the government department that's going to tell me they want me to cook meals. Well, again, as I said earlier, I'm still going to be sitting there. The food is still going to sit in the fridge until someone calls. And I, I, I just don't think that, even though it would be nice to use the energy and the... Um, and the efforts of people, right, in a really focused, concentrated way, of course it would be. But that's not happening. And if you start saying to people, listen, please don't bring meals, please don't bring meals until we've organized it, it's just going to stop. People aren't going to do it. And then to rebuild that network or rebuild that framework is going to be much, much harder than to take advantage of what we have right now, which is people doing it. So what do you think about Matt's point, Leo, that, yeah, in theory, that would be nice to to reduce the waste and, and increase the uh, productivity. But on the other hand, if you had people who could do that, then they would have been doing it and they're just not doing it. By the way, I also have to ask you, that incident with the with the army turning down the flak jackets because they weren't up to code, is that is that proof that you were arguing that, that's, that the government should be involved or that we should have rushed those flak jackets to the front despite once the government get involved shutting it down? I think that it needed to be coordinated in advance from the beginning with the government. I think that's probably what should have happened because what a waste. <laughs> right, but isn't that evidence of Matt's point? In other words, once they get involved, they're just going to mess it up. Let's just bypass them entirely. And and Matt's point of like, if they could have done it, they would have done it. And since they can't do it, what do you think about that point? I mean, I think that you, you uh, in that moment, it is obviously very critical to get the vest to the, to the soldiers, but then also you're risking problems along the way down the road where, God forbid, these jackets who, let's say that they're not up to par with the government, whether they are or not is a different question, but let's say they're not, then they go into Gaza with these soldiers and, God forbid, that's the reason someone is killed. And then you have really, really big problems because it wasn't vetted by, the, it was sort of, wasn't vetted by the government, wasn't vetted by any kind of super uh, supervisory board that is through the IDF or through the government. Um, and then you're caught up in a really bad situation where this all this goodwill and efforts really ended up risking the lives of the soldiers and, and causing damage as opposed to good. So I think there's a very fine line there. In that particular case, I think it was probably the people who need to organize it needed to be more, needed to have maybe a direct person of contact um, in the government or direct person of contact in the IDF that they were sort of working alongside with, because that's a huge effort. That's not, obviously different than bringing uh, a barbecue to a base. Um I w as you were speaking about, I was thinking about this organization called Achim Laneshek, Brothers in Arms, I, I think you would translate it. And um, Achim Laneshek has been working very, very, uh, in a very organized manner, I guess we'll say, over the last year and a half. But actually, they've been organizing the protest movement. This is They really are the front and center of the protest movement. And they have fantastic efforts in terms of the contacts and WhatsApp groups. And they're just very, very organized. And actually, Currently, I've seen a lot of the volunteer efforts being switched over to their hands. So a lot of um, agric like agricultural volunteer opportunities were sort of 
being done independently, so to speak. And people were like, well, you know, you kind of bring a friend, bring a friend, bring a friend. And then I've, over the last few weeks, I've seen it completely turn around. And Achim Maneshek took complete control over it and started to organize it um, in a very effective manner. And the same thing goes with, you know, now they're starting new efforts uh, w- through the government, I-, I think, which is, you know, getting these students who are not yet in school because universities haven't started yet to also be be subsidized uh, through, I think it's through the government and get paid essentially to work on the agricultural um, farms um, for several months. And so um, on one hand, yes, the urgency, Matt, like you're describing of the initial, after the initial attack, like the urgency of we need blood now, we need food now. Um, yes, but I think that it can't, it, you know, it has to eventually become regulated in some way. And obviously, I think we could all agree that it would have been great if it was regulated from day one, but it wasn't. And I think now the efforts, the volunteer efforts, it can't be, they can't happen uh, independently. I think they have to happen in some kind of organization, organized because otherwise, otherwise there's there's chaos. And a lot of the people that specifically that were working with the families in the hotels were just, that's what they were describing. They're describing complete chaos. What do you think about that, Matt? That at the beginning, maybe we could have gone without regulation, but as time goes on, there needs to be a stepping in over time. Um, if it doesn't cost the efforts that people are making, then sure. I, I, I mean, at the end of the day, it's kind of crazy that all these people will left homeless and turned up without underwear, without deodorant or anything like that. And it required Hotel owners took them in. Hotel yeah. owners took them in. And people like my kids were standing outside supermarkets in Modian asking people to drop an extra deodorant or an extra shampoo or something into the, into the box. It's crazy that that's what it took to get these people through their initial first few weeks. If now we have a better sense of what they need and maybe there's a better sense of timing of what will happen to them in the future and when it will happen, then yeah, I mean, I I can see why it would go over to the government. The question is, of course, let's say it does go to more of a regulatory kind of system. And then the people who are meant to be benefiting from this, like, well, they're, they're, they're still letting us down. We're not getting the help we need, whether that's materially or emotionally or whatever it is. Then what's going to happen? Call back on Achim Maneshek, call back on all the volunteers. I, I guess so. But then that really leaves a problem with the government because then the government have now put in regulation that these people who need help from other people aren't going to live up to the, that regulation. And then what happens? Then you've got more of a balagan, right? more chaos, I think, in some ways. Um, but it'd be lovely if we could have a government that would is really taking care of people. I'm just... Again, we... we I, I'm, I, I guess, Mike, you, you taught us before a phrase, right? Hope was that not hope for the best. Um, things are going to not be as good as the, you hoped. Things for. turn out not as not as bad as you feared, but not as well as you hoped. Yeah, and I, may, maybe that would be the case here if the government got involved as well. I'm not sure. But, well, it's know. funny because you, you guys are both embracing the energy, and you're both questioning the, the government's ability to to channel that energy, but you're just disagreeing about how much we should expect of that. But I will say that I think that there is something, in other words, okay, so this is classically Israeli. Everybody has initiative and wants to jump in and solve the problem, but we're not really good at coordinating or or organizing. And so we need as a society to learn to balance that. But I, I would say as a society, that's a much better problem to have. If you have a, if you have an energized 
community that wants to contribute. And the question is, how do we do that, you know, really effectively? That's a much better challenge to have than an apathetic society that just sits back and wants government to take care of everything for you. And when government doesn't do it, you just go, oh, the government stinks. I guess my soldiers are going to get shot. You know, like that would be horrendous. Mm -hmm. And so, and so, you know, it, it, it does show something, I, I think, very positive. About Israel. And I think that we all agree on. Yeah. That, that, that we're, all, we're all, it makes us proud to be Israeli, to be surrounded by all of this energy. And even if it is just what you're saying, Leo, that, that feeling of, oh, I have to have control, I have to. Yeah, I have to okay? something. But, but, but when you channel that into, even if it's feeding just, you know, I'm doing a barbecue for the soldiers on the base or, yeah, there, there, is, there is something uh, very beautiful to that. And, and I guess, I wonder if, Ideally, you would want government to handle this, and that then the people wouldn't have to step up. Like, there's something I wonder if there would be a way to create some sort of governance where the expectation is that sure, we'll jump up and take you need deodorant, we'll go buy some deodorant. Like, I, I is it bad overall that we that that citizens are engaged? Like, I don't know, I, I'm not asking my question clearly, but my question basically is. Ideally, isn't it nice that the citizens jump up and fill in and then whether the government should be involved or not is an interesting question, but shouldn't we continue to be a society that doesn't expect government to solve all our problems, mm -hmm. that we look out for each other? I, I, yeah. I think what you, the way you summed it up there, I, yeah, it's wonderful. I have to say it is wonderful. It's a shame that it's necessary in a way, yeah. but it's also wonderful. Sure. That, that, it the strengthens that, the society. It, it strengthens the society. And I know that when... Um, like when we've been sending meals down to soldiers and stuff, my kids have been sending pictures and, and letters and whatever to soldiers. And you see these pictures like um, on the news or on social media of soldiers holding up pictures that if not my child, a child like my child has drawn, that's very different than if you get like a letter from Ari Derry that says there's a government minister saying, oh, well done, right? Like it's, it's very different. And that strengthens the home command, right? That strengthens the morale of the soldiers to know that all of us, at home are, are rooting for them and supporting them. Um, and just one thing you said about the society, I, I think it's, it is really important. As someone you know, who chose to come and, and live in Israel and who's raising a family here. Israeli by choice. Israeli by choice. To, to raise And raising a family here, to see the way that my kids have been roped into the effort is really amazing. So my, um, my 10th grader, for example, with her scouts, once a week they've been going to this youth hostel I told you about not far from where we live and doing activities for the kids. And then one afternoon a whole group of them went to the local independent living facility to play games with the the older people because all of their kids and grandkids are now in Miluim so they've got no one to come and visit them so these kids all turned up and they were playing scrabble and chess and all the games like with the older people amazing right like amazing amazing things um and and that sense of caring and that sense of giving to people is is wonderful and, and I'm glad it gets inculcated in that way on the other hand, you're looking at some of these efforts, like I said about my my friend who hang up those posters. The government should be putting these people front and center. That's mm -hmm. yeah. There's a tension there. Yeah, and I think it, for me, it just comes back to: um, is are you doing it from a place of you feel helpless and you need to to do this for your own sort of emotional security and 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 needs, or is this actually moving? 
uh, volunteerism forward and is actually contributing in some significant way. And that's, that's sort of like a very fine line that I've sort of thought about a lot. And I think I've, I've seen kind of go one way or the other over the last five weeks. Um, I also want to say, uh, since a lot of our listeners are, they, they live abroad, um, that I've heard a lot of people who want to come from abroad to come help because they also have that sensation and feeling of helplessness and I want to be there and I want to support. And I've also struggled with that recently because I have friends who live here and their parents have come to help, but their parents take hotel rooms, which is not helpful right now because the the the, the people who are evacuated from their homes need to be in those hotel rooms. So that's not really helpful. Um, so unless they have somewhere to stay, I think they shouldn't come. And then the other thing is, is if you come, do you have something to do? And then what are you doing? And if you are doing something, is it within the framework that will actually help? And so I've heard it kind of both ways. Um, some people have gone to Sarl, which apparently is fantastic and amazing. And again, one of these organized, very organized, um, very directed. Um, Sarl is an organization that sort of brings people from abroad who want the sort of IDF experience. Mm -hmm. And you do a lot of volunteerism on, on some base, on a certain my, base. So my mother really did feel... it a few years ago. Mm -hmm. She was packing, I think, like tank radios or something right. like that. And right. there's a group, she goes to a, a synagogue, which is for older, more senior people, um, shall we say. People of a certain age. People <laughs> of a certain age. And and they're organizing a group to go on Wednesday. They're all going, yeah. there's a bus coming to pick them up and they're taking them to, I don't know, pack something or, or do something busy work that needs to be done right, right? it has to be done. right that's that's brilliant um or the farmers that we have who came from alabama montana, montana something yeah, right awesome. and they they are professionals they know what they're doing they're here to contribute because they know exactly how to do this work they have a particular set of skills yes exactly and so these these efforts i very much support and then you know i see other people who are coming or friends who are asking me should i come i want to come i want to help and i said if you don't have any specific targeted focused thing to come here and do and a place to be to live that's not a hotel um yeah don't that's not helpful to us right now you can contribute in other ways um so that's also something it's just you know that fine line between is it your needs or is it actually the country's needs and, and the your helping? needs part is okay as long as the other part is taken into account in other words yeah. if it makes you feel better that's okay right sure and if it's helping you maintain your emotional stability that's a good thing but it shouldn't be only that it has to be focused and, and aimed through that lens of wait but am i really going to be helping or if it's just to, to help me, that's good. a problem. Right. Right. Like right. the guy in the olive grove that I was at the other day who started picking with his hands. And I said, oh, we don't have that's the, you, we yeah. don't have the, uh, I don't know what they're called. They're not shovels. The they're like, thing, yeah, yeah, exactly. And he's like, oh no, you here, we come pick with our hands. And I looked at him and this is my second time there. And I looked at him and I was like, well, that's really, you just came here for you. Yeah. That's not helpful <laughs> whatsoever. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. There has to be a balance. And everything we were talking about, really, your whole debate. You're, you're, you're both agreeing more or less on that the civil society energy and creativity and problem solving is useful. You're both agreeing that coordination is helpful. And now you're just debating about, you know, where the balance should be struck. And I think, in, you know, we're not going to agree on exactly where balances should be struck. But, uh, but, it, but it does, it's, it's especially in dark times. What, what, I mean, to to paraphrase and misquote Mr. Rogers, when he, after a disaster, he remembered as a little boy, he asked his mother uh, after a horrible event. And he said, you know, where is God that humans can do this to each other? And his mother said to him, watch the people who come to help after. That's where you find God. Mm. And so uh, I always think about that Mr. Rogers story from his own life, that, that that's... 
that's what we're seeing here. And uh, so, so thank you guys. Uh, you know, any, any rays of positivity and optimism are, are certainly welcome Amen. in yeah. these times. And uh, yeah, because of those things, may we merit to see uh, a better, brighter future. Thank you so much. And uh, that's the end of the episode. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Israel Conversation by the Massah Leadership and Impact Center. In everything we do, we hope to connect our fellows to Israel as home, that our Massah fellows will feel at home in Israel and understand more about Israel and all of its diversity. We connect our fellows to Jewish peoplehood, to feel an affinity for Judaism and a sense of belonging to the Jewish people. The connection is active and meaningful in their lives. And finally, personal development. And in the case of this podcast, our goal is that you'll be able to use the tools and learning for reflection and future development in conversations about Israel and Judaism. If this episode is meaningful to you, please subscribe and share with somebody that you think it will be meaningful to.